Good morning. Uh, Good morning. Trust that uh, the Lord has blessed you there during this past week. We've had a good uh, time this morning uh, uh, singing together and fellowshipping together this morning here uh, in preparation for this time of bringing the gospel message. And so if the Lord will bless us here today, what we'd like to do is take a look again at the book of Romans. We've been going through the book of Romans last Sunday. Uh, we got up through the uh, sixth chapter of the book of Romans and this morning, uh, Lord willing, we'll start into the seventh chapter of the book of Romans and continuing looking at this, what, you know, this great message what, that the Apostle Paul sent to this church at Rome and uh, expressing, and, and I've tried to go back and look at it that today, one of the things that we'll be looking at in this seventh chapter uh, is uh, Paul's further expression of, of talking about the law also talking about the great struggle that you and I find as being born-again children of God, having, having two natures, uh, now having a, a nature of flesh and also having a nature of, of the Spirit of God dwelling within us, and how the conflict that this, this causes within us. And so we'll be talking about that this morning uh, as we go through this. Uh, but I want to go back again like I've done over the last few Sundays and kind of Relook again at some of this message that the, that the Apostle Paul is writing this because I, I think it's important if we just dive into the seventh chapter this morning and the things that he begins to discuss here in this seventh chapter of the book of Romans, I think we kind of miss, you know, that there's some things going on here. And, and Paul is writing to the church at Rome, and, and as we mentioned before, there's it's a it's a mixed congregation. You know, today we, we think a mixed congregation probably having all kinds of implications uh, into it. But this time, uh, when Paul was writing a group, he was writing a group of Jews and a group of Gentiles that together made up the church at Rome. And I think he was addressing some of the things that he had heard. He had never been to the been to Rome at this point of the writing of this letter, and yet he had heard some things that were going on there. And there were conflicts between the Jews and the Gentiles that were there. And as I, as I look and relook, as I'm studying this letter even more uh, as we're going through this, I begin to see some, there's a few things that begin to come out. One, one of course, is the, uh, the Jewish people that were there. I think they felt uh, a little more arrogant or aloof to the Gentiles because they would go back and talk about maybe how they had the things of the law and how they had been raised up to know God and that God had always been there uh, their spiritual guide and leader, unlike the Gentiles, and so there was this this attitude, if you will, that they that they had there in the church, and it was causing problems. And Paul addressed it right at the very beginning of this letter in chapters two uh, and chapter three of the book of Romans, where he begins to talk about, "Hey, you who have, who should be teachers, when you do the things uh, that are contrary to the things that you're teaching." Uh, you're, you're a sinner in that sense, just like those that maybe never had the law at all. But he says, you're teaching don't do this or do this and don't do that. Yet you're doing the very things you're te telling others not to do. And he's saying, so you're condemning yourself when you do that. And uh, then he goes on and after he addresses some of those issues in chapter 2, chapter 3, uh, pointing to the fact, and even over into chapter 5, uh, pointing to the fact that it doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. He said the Jews were blessed because they had the oracles of God, okay? And because they were much blessed to have the word of God and to know the things of the word of God. Uh, and he says, but some of you there, and he says this also in the third chapter, some of them were accusing the apostle Paul of preaching uh, that uh, the more you sin, 
uh, the more grace that comes about and the more glory that goes to God. And Paul says uh, that it had been slanderously reported that these things were said. And so Paul didn't take kindly to the fact that they were saying, you know, that somehow there's this doctrine out there that if you sin, uh, that somehow God gets more glory from this because uh, your sin is now triumphed with, triumphed with grace. So he, he addresses those issues, chapter 2, chapter 3. Uh, he gets over to 4 and he addresses the fact that many of those, no doubt the Jews who were clinging to the law there at the church at Rome, were also talking about the fact but we, we not only have the law, but we have Abraham as our father. And so Paul goes back, and we've talked about this over the last number of Sundays, and uh, Paul goes back and says, hey, before there was a law, Abraham lived 400 years before that, and Abraham followed after God by faith that was planted in him, and God blessed him for his faithfulness. And so he says, it's the same whether you're Jew or a Gentile. It's about following after the faithfulness of the faith of God that he's planted in your heart through the new birth. And he says, Abraham did that and God blessed him for this because you think about today, uh, and, and, let's, and I'll just use this as an example. In this community, uh, somebody that maybe had not been going to church, uh, but suddenly they decide to go to church, and you say, yeah, but there's a lot of people that go to church in this community, uh, and so there's a lot of churches, different uh, denominational groups. So, so going to church suddenly and following after those things uh, that the community follows after is no big, in, in a sense, it's a big deal because you haven't been going to church, but, you know, it's not a big deal, and a lot of people do that, right? Now, then let's, but let's transport ourselves back to Abraham. Abraham grew up in a community which was a pagan community, idol worship everywhere, and he left all of that to go to a place that he'd never been before because God spoke to him and says, get up from your land and your country and go to a place that I'm going to show you. Now, that's that, when I spring that, that's not like just somebody in this community saying, well, I'm going to kind of join in with everybody else in the community and I'm going to go to church. No, if, you, if, you, if Abraham had done that, he'd have joined into idol worship like everybody else in the community. He went totally contrary to the things of the, of the community and went to a land that God said he would show him uh, and a land that eventually he said he would give him. And not only, but any further, any further says, because of Abraham's faithfulness, God told him that in thee, Abraham, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Uh, talking and pointing to a Savior that would come up in the lineage of Abraham. Uh, and, and, and it was counted unto Abraham uh, because of his faithfulness. It was counted as righteousness to him. And God blessed him with this gift. And he says, it wasn't said to Abraham that he was blessed this way just for Abraham's benefit. It was also written down that Abraham was blessed this way for your benefit also so that you might know that when you follow faithfully after God, God recognizes your faithfulness to do that and blesses you now. Let's don't get confused in all this. God doesn't bless you by giving you now eternal life. He blesses you by, by blessing you here in this land and country in which you live by maybe blessing you with good children, blessing you with a, good, a job, a way to take care of your family. He blesses you with a good congregation to share and worship together in. There's many blessings in this life. And boy, think about, think about the community. If these things that we were talking about praying for our nation a minute ago, think about if this kind of faithfulness to God spread throughout all of our communities 
across this land and country in such a way that people wouldn't go out and burn buildings and, and throw rocks and throw uh, things at uh, people of, of authority. Imagine living in a land like that. Well, <clears throat> probably we will just be able to imagine that <laughs> uh, in our minds and, and hopefulness in our hearts. But one of these days, ah, one of these days it is going to be peace because he's going to come back. So anyway, so Paul is... Uh, Paul walks these, uh, these people at Rome, these Jews and Gentiles, through all of this uh, discussion of saying, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. You can point toward the law, but you who teach the law do the things contrary to the law. While we have people over here that didn't have the law, and they're doing the things of the law that's written in their heart. And so they're more faithful and more righteous than you are in the sense that they're following after what God has placed in them. Then he gets over to the fifth chapter of this same book of Romans and he begins to teach and talk about the fact that we, that, uh, that uh, and again he's talk, talking back to the, the total depravity of humanity and points out the fact that in Adam we've all sinned. Uh, and, that, uh, and, and so for those of us today, and, and he doesn't really... I think, he, you know, I thought about this uh, as I'm meditating on the scriptures and thinking about preaching today and so forth. And I thought, you know, he makes the comment there in Romans chapter 5 uh, that we've all sinned. Uh, by one man, sin entered into the world, death by sin. He's telling us and teaching us what doctrinally today we call total depravity. Everybody that's in Adam is a sinner, okay? And we've all sinned in him. And then he goes on and does this comparison of Adam and of Christ and says, uh, even though, and he, we get down a little bit further um, in verse 17 of this fifth chapter, he says, for by one man's offense, death reigned to one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so, or in like manner, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men to the justification of life. Now, he, he does this, and we get the idea, and, and there's, a, there's a comparison here, if you will, comparison contrast, and we, get, we can get the idea, I think, more plainly that in Adam, everyone's a sinner that's in Adam. But then he goes on and says in the same way that we all have life in Christ Jesus, and he doesn't further explain, I have explained it as we preach through that, that that the, uh, those that were in Christ, chosen in Christ before the foundation. But I'm diving over into Ephesians chapter 1 to grab some of those verses that come back and tell you how that those who are in Christ are those who are going to be righteous, uh, just like those that were in Adam were made sinners, okay? So I'm, and I, and I realize as I'm preaching, as I'm, as I'm thinking about that, I said, you know, Paul didn't really explain this as he was coming through Romans chapter 5. He waits over as we get to Romans 8 to explain all this. And I thought, oh. Uh, you know, it's like it's like the little light bulb came on for me as I'm thinking about it. I'm like, he did explain it, but he didn't explain it in the moment because at that moment, he was trying to let them all know, you're all sinners in Christ Jesus. And just by one man's sin, we've all been made sinners. By one man's righteousness, the all that are in him were made righteous also because we were in him. So then he gets, he drops down, we get to that sixth chapter where we were last Sunday, and he says, you know, he begins to go back and address some things again. He says, 
just as sin, verse 21 of Romans 5, and then I'll dive into 6 and get to 7. But he says, uh, that as sin reigned unto death, even so grace reigned, uh, might reign, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So as sin hath abounded, even so shall grace even more abound uh, in triumph. You know, something that abounds is over something else, right? And so uh, as he was talking about it, he says, what shall we say then? And again, he goes back and addresses this whole thing of how they were accusing him of saying, if you sin then more grace comes. And boy, the more grace there is, the more glory there is to God. So somehow they were teaching and saying that Paul was teaching, boy, we need to do a lot, have a lot of sin so there'll be more grace. No, and he's, so he addresses that here in 6. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. There's that phrase I mentioned to y'all last Sunday. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And so he goes on in 6. And talk about it talks about how sin has reigned in our life, and uh, and again in a sense, and we'll talk about this a little bit further uh, as we go back into the last part of chapter six. But he says, sin has reigned in your life. He says, now then that you've been born of the Spirit of God, let grace and let righteousness reign in your members. Let and so so I I wanted to make this comment as a fact. When, we're, when we were dead and trespassing sin, sin reigned in us. And, uh, and even though we were, uh, and even after we were born of the Spirit of God, we had now had two natures. God had changed our heart. We knew in our heart, mind, and purpose, boy, I need to be stopped. I need to stop doing this. <laughs> I need to stop doing this sinful act, this sinful uh, thought, this sinful condition, these sinful words that are coming out of my mouth. And, and it's not like, uh, like some people would teach, and some people actually teach this, that, uh, that uh, you know, somehow once God comes in our heart, that you just get so filled with the Holy Spirit that God just makes you do those things that are right. Well, no, no he doesn't either. <laughs> and, and so then, so Paul begins to address that as, we're, as we get here in this last part of the sixth chapter. Uh, those of you that uh, maybe didn't listen to last Sunday's message out there online, go back and listen to that. Uh, and if you're here, then we'll try to stir up your thoughts and minds to the things that we said. But he says this, verse 18 of, of Romans 6. He says, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. And that's, that's the other thing that I wanted to mention this, this, uh, this Sunday was talking about. He kind of contrasts some things. And he's trying to give examples, I think, of once we've been born of the Spirit of God, how it works. And that's what, that's what I mean. How does it work in my life? I want to know how God is working in my life. And not only that, there's times when I, when I still have this, this nature about me that I'm born with, and it tries to work in my life. I remember some years ago, uh, and uh, I'll just share this little, little story with you, but uh, here's a young pastor at Zion's Rest Church, and uh, years ago, and uh, one of the one of the ladies that was here at that time, uh, Sister Mary Gardner, uh, was probably in her seventies. You know, and probably at that time, I'm I'm getting into my thirties, and uh, uh, and so you know, getting a little bit older, having a family, and so forth. And I I look at her one Sunday, and I said, you know, I said, Sister Mary, I said, there are times when I said, in my mind, I said, I still think just like I did when I was eighteen years old, and. Uh, she gets this little smile on her face, and she says, sometimes I'm like that, too. 
And, and I'm like, you know, in Charles Kitchens' mind, it never dawned on me that somebody that was in their 70s still thought at times like an 18-year-old, okay? And, and now at my age now, I can even see that even more, but at that time it was like this revelation to me that, that somebody that still had their mind still thought that way. And, and I say all that to say, you know, there are times in our carnal nature we still think in our carnal nature, okay? And, and it's, it's a battle that goes on. That's what Paul begins to address here, and he addresses things in several different ways. First of all, he talks about us being servants. He said, you were the servants of sin, but he says, you're a servant to whom you obey. He said, if you obey sin, you're the servant of sin. If you obey righteousness, you're the servant of righteousness. So, so you're the servant to whom you obey. You put yourself in slavery, in a sense, and in servitude to whom you obey. Uh, and if you obey sin and let, let sin continue to reign in your mortal body, then you're obeying, you're the servant of, you're the servant of sin. But he says, but if you let godly thoughts, godly ways, righteousness, the thoughts of scriptures and the things, it's, if you let that reign, if you let the thought of uh, reign in you, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself, you let that reign in your mind, and you let that act on your tongue, and on your mind, and on your hearts, then, then you're, you're not the servant of sin any longer, you're the servant of righteousness. And so he says, uh, being then made free, verse 18 of Romans 6, being made, made free from sin, you become the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness and iniquity, uh, <clears throat> and unto iniquity, even so now, yield your members, servants, to righteousness and unto holiness. So, and so part of what he's saying is, you know, it's not something that's forced on you that you have to live that way. But it's, what you, it's, it's a choice you make. And we choose daily. You know, am I going to serve God? Am I not going to serve God? Who do you yield yourself, your members to? Who do you yield your eyes to, your hands to, your thoughts to, your ears to? What are you yielding your members to, your feet to, and so forth? He says, for when, for when ye were servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. You know, that's one thing I thought about using as my word study this morning or during our Bible study. I started to talk about the word death. That's a really exciting subject, right? <laughs> uh, but you know, there's a lot of different types of death taught in the scriptures. Uh, the, Adam and Eve died in the garden. How did they die? They died to the fellowship that they had with God walking with them daily in the garden. So they died there. They also began to die physically that day. And so there's a physical death. There's also a death that we, we can experience as children of God here in this, in this world that we're living in. We, we can actually die. David, on one occasion, uh, died to the joy of his self salvation. The, you know, he had said, said uh, uh, sin with Bathsheba. Uh, God had uh, had chastised him and caused him to go into a depressed state, if you will. Uh, and he became depressed about his relationship with God. Had been had been hurt and harmed and severed. And he says, "Return to me the joy of thy salvation." He wanted to once again. So he had died to that joy that he once had. 
and you and I can die the more we the more we follow after the state of sin like like David if you want to use that as an example uh, but sinful types of life sinful types of thought we can die to the joy of the salvation that God has placed within our hearts and there's a there's a freedom that comes with knowing that I've been set free so he says the fruit that you had in those things wherever you're now ashamed for the end of those things is death and he says, but now being made free from sin and become servants of God, you have, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. So there's a, there's a sense, and Paul mentions this in the Colossian letter, uh, that we can lay hold on eternal life while we're here. God has given us eternal life when we're born of the Spirit of God, but we can lay hold on it and feel that we have it by following after and being a servant of righteousness here in this life. Then he says this, Comment in verse 23. This is one of those kind of famous verses that like, kind of like John 3.16, if you will. But uh, uh, Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, wages, and we mentioned this last Sunday, but we'll repeat it again. Wages are what you earn. Uh, and you and I as sinners, we earned death. Not only physical death, but we also uh, earn death and separation from God. Uh, in fact, what we earn by our sin is actual eternal death and punishment and woe uh, and separation from God. Not just separation like Adam and Eve experienced in the garden, but eternal separation, uh, being doomed to hell. That's what we earned uh, by the wages of our sin. But he says, for the wages of sin is death. But you know what? Uh, that's, you know... What eternal life is not a wage. It's not something you earn. It's not something you accomplish. It's a gift of God. So where he says, but the gift of God is eternal life, and this is all through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now then, so as we get into chapter 7, he set all this up. They've got problems there where they're, the Jews, I think, are leaning to the law, and we've got uh, the Gentiles there who never had the law, We've got the, the, the Jews looking down on conde and condemning the, gen the, the Gentiles because they didn't have the law, becoming judgmental. You know people today, Christian people, have that problem a lot of times today too, becoming very judgmental on others and looking down on others. And part of Paul's message in all this is we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. What are you doing looking down on someone else and, and looking down on them and their sins uh, uh, when you're a sinner too and the only reason there's a difference for you is the gift of God through Jesus Christ our Lord, okay? And so when we realize that, it keeps us from being so arrogant and judgmental and condemning and Paul is addressing all of that here in this church and addressing the fact that they were accusing him of preaching a false doctrine, uh, uh, but letting them know that all of this goes back to the great gift that we have in Jesus Christ. Now, so as we drive into chapter 7, I took a little time to kind of go back over Romans again, but to get up, what's he, what is he addressing here in Romans 7? He's addressing the fact of this problem that uh, part of this problem that they had with the law, and particularly that the Jews had with the law, and then he addresses this thing that all of us experience together as children of God. So uh, I want to say this as we start into seven. This is not one of the best places to go to to try to defend marriage and what a marriage is and what a marriage isn't. That's not what Paul's addressing here in this 
first, uh, uh, first few verses of Romans 7. Uh, but he is letting them know, you know, I, I'll think about this. Can you just think about this today as we start into this? Do uh, you know somebody that, in uh, particular, y'all have probably heard this said, for example, somebody coming into the Primitive Baptist Church uh, that's been raised up at another church, okay? They have a, a, a thought process that already works within them about what Scripture teaches, right? And one of the hardest things they have when they come and they hear the doctrines of grace taught, that we're saved by His grace and it's not by our confessions and it's not by our prayers and it's not by our our good works are going to outweigh our bad works. It's not by all of that stuff. It's by the grace of God. They have trouble getting that, don't they? Haven't you? And, and sometimes if you had the experience of talking to a friend or a neighbor and trying to, they say, what do you believe? And you begin to try to tell them and they're like, well, you know, that seems like a strange thing. But you know, it's hard to overcome your past teaching. Right. You know that? And the Jews were having that exact same problem here at the church at Rome. They had been raised up in the law. And they, so they were trying to still cling to parts of the law. And, the, and that caused them to look down on others sometimes. And it also caused them to want to uh, go back and look at circumcision. And saying, you know, you're not really saved unless you've been circumcised. All of these things were percolating here at the church at Rome. And Paul has gotten to this whole point of saying, you're all sinners. There, sin came into this world by one man, Adam, and salvation came by one man, Jesus Christ. And he says, you are who you yield yourself to. You're either servants of sin or you're servants of righteousness. Then he starts chapter 7. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. Okay, so you, you know who he's talking to. Uh, he says, Know ye not, brethren, I, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. The law, the law never goes away. The law is always the law, uh, the, the keeping of the law. And I think there are a lot of this. This is not just when we think of the law sometimes, we think of the Ten Commandments. You know, that, that shall have no other gods before me. And now that all, you know, all those things are laid out. We think of that. But the law was more than that. The law, saw, law was also a ceremonial exercise in how you serve God. And so if, as God gave them the law, he didn't just give them the Ten Commandments. He gave things to, to uh, Moses, and Moses taught them there in the wilderness. And you can go read about it in Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Uh, that if a man had wronged another man, you had to go and repay him a certain amount. And if somebody had uh, needed to be redeemed, if somebody had gotten into debt and they, they had placed themselves in a servitude, uh, then there were a certain way to get yourself out of being a servant until, until the year of Jubilee. There were all these things laid out. And he, so Paul here starts this out and says, Know ye not, brethren, uh, I speak to them that know the law, and, and I'll say this, are probably looking to the law to to be their to be their righteousness. Okay, he says, "I speak to those that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth." In other words, if you're looking to the law to bring to bring make you righteous, then there's no escape from it. it, it it's in, it's in place as long as a man lives. Then he says this: for the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. 
But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Now remember, I told you as we started this, this is not the place to go to try to justify what, uh, what makes somebody an adulteress or a married person, and I'm talking about in the church and so forth, and, and, and our godly living. But he's making a point. The law said something about being married. And the law said uh, uh, that as long as a man was married, uh, uh, he couldn't uh, be married to another. If he was, he was, he was an adulteress and so forth. Then read verse 4. Wherefore, my brethren, ye are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. Christ fulfilled the law. We go back to Matthew chapter 5, I believe it is, and Christ said, I came not uh, to condemn the law, but to fulfill the law. In fact, uh, the Bible says he fulfilled it to a jot and to a tittle. Uh, he became the very lamb of God uh, that was offered uh, yearly for, as an atonement for sins. Uh, he became the high priest who offered the blood uh, uh, there before the throne of God. Uh, he fulfilled the law and everything he acted and everything he did, even hanging on the cross and dying and shedding his blood, he was fulfilling the law of the, of the sacrifice for sin that had to be made, he fulfilled it all. And he says, ye are become dead. Ye are that trusted in the law. The law says that as long as you're married to a man, uh, uh, you can't be married to another. Paul is asking them to become married to somebody else, and he's trying to let them know they're not becoming an adulteress by being married to Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ, uh, uh, the law died in the body of Jesus Christ. Uh, today, when me and you are looking for our righteousness, you don't find it in the law. You find it in the body of Jesus Christ. That's the that's what made us uh, sin, makes us sinless. Uh, that's what's going to carry us home. That's what paid our sin debt was the shed blood in the body of Jesus Christ. So he says, "Wherefore, my brethren, ye are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another." I'm telling you, you should be married to another. And he says, uh, "Even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit." unto God. We're being married to Jesus Christ today. Uh, you know, you think about this, the Bible tells us all throughout, to, uh, there's numerous places uh, uh, that we can turn over to Ephesians chapter 5, I believe it is, uh, where he talks about the church is the bride of Christ. Uh, well, they're sitting there saying, uh, uh, we can't be uh, married to Christ because we have a husband. He says, the law's dead through the body of Jesus Christ. You're free now. You've been set free to be married to another. And he says, for when we were in the flesh, the motions of, of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead. You know, what, he, what he's, he's not saying here, he's not saying you're free from the Ten Commandments. He's saying you're free from that old law where you had to work and labor and do and, and sacrifice and give sacrifices and go to the temple uh, three times a year, man, and gather yourselves. You've been made free from all of that. How? By the body of Jesus Christ who died for you. He says, now then, for, we, for now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein you were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit 
and not in oldness of the letter. He says, you know, the, uh, the letter of the law, people want to talk about, I do things by the letter of the law. He says, you need to be doing it by the spirit of righteousness, by the spirit of love in your heart. That's why, you know, you and I today, if we say, uh, well, we're going to we're going to gather gather goods, and we're going to go down and uh, and uh, carry them down here to the homeless, or we're going to carry them down here to the poor that needs some some food, because that's what the Word of God says to do. <clears throat> well, you know what? Yeah, it does say to do that, uh, do those kind of things. But you know what? You ought to be doing it not just because it meets the letter of the law, but because that's how you feel. You feel like getting out and doing things good for others and being kind to others and being sweet to others and loving others. And he says, he says, uh, don't do these things. For he says, we've been delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held, that you should serve in newness of the spirit and not in oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? If, if the law, is, you know, if I'm telling you, well, don't do it because of these reasons, is the, is the law actually sinful? And he says... God forbid. There's that word again, underline. God forbid. He's not that the, that the law is bad or, or sinful. He says, Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust except the law said, Thou shalt not covet. And he, now he's beginning to go back and I think beginning to kind of like, what's the purpose of the law? Paul says over in the Galatian letter, the law is a schoolmaster. Uh, I thought about this this morning, Sister Marshall. Uh, as I was saying, the law is a schoolmaster. Oh, the law is a is a teacher's aid. Uh, it's a, you know, and it's not not the person that's a teacher's aid, but it's a teacher's aid like a like a sign that you put up here that you point to. Say, teacher, I need to know how to make my letters. How do I do that? Well, let me point to you over here. I have the letters up here on this little board, and here's how you make an A, and here's how you make a B, and here's how you make a C, and that little board up there now becomes a teacher's aid. To show you how to do things. That's what the law was. The law was simply a sign up there that the teacher could point to and says, You know what? I know what lust is because the sign says, Thou shalt not covet. God says, Thou shalt not covet, not just the sign. <laughs> and God said, Thou shalt not covet. He said, So is, is, is the law bad? God forbid that the law is sin. He says, how should I have not known lust except the law had said thou should not covet? I should not uh, covet my neighbor's wife and my neighbor's land and my neighbor's uh, uh, plows and my neighbor's corn and my neighbor's hogs and my, and my neighbor's uh, job and all those things that uh, that's lust. And, and so when we're when we're looking, you know, that today people say. Well, they're just trying to keep up with the Joneses. Well, if they're trying to keep up with the Joneses, they're lusting after what the Joneses have and trying to do the same thing. And lust is sin. And he says, Paul says, I would not have known that except the Bible said thou shalt not covet. But sin taking occasion by the commandment. Now, here's, what, here's probably, and I hope I do a good job of explaining, or a fairly good job of explaining this this morning, because some of these things that come down through here, when you read it, it almost sounds like a confused person talking, right? Or at least to me it does. And, uh, and, and I think, but I think Paul, as we get into this last part of the seventh chapter, there's, there's almost like somebody, it sounds like somebody rambling, you know, kind of flipping back and forth and saying different things. And, and I thought, you know, but he's trying to point out the condition that we're in, I think, a lot of times as God's little children. We're in a, we're in a wrestling match every day. Uh, and we're and we're in a battle, 
and, and sometimes we seem like we're on top and we're winning, and sometimes it seems like we're on the bottom getting our brains beat out, you know, by, by, by hearing this old life that we're living. But Paul says here, he says, Sin taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, that is lust and, or sin, for without the law sin was dead. Now, he's actually hearkening back to the fifth chapter of the book of Romans, I believe, where he made the comment that in, in Adam all of us died, right? But he says, but death reigned from Adam to Moses even on those that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam. Before there was a law given in Moses, he says, still people were dying because they were sinners. And he says, so here he comes along and says, sin taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law, sin was dead. In other words, Paul said, there was a commandment that was in me to sin. And, and it wasn't like, and I'm not saying like God says, thou shalt sin. I'm just saying the fact that we were sinners, there was a thing in him, a commandment or a law that lived in him that says, made him think all kinds of, but he says, but I didn't have the law and I didn't know all these things were, were sin in me. And he says, so I was dead, uh, for without the law, sin was dead. In other words, I didn't realize what was actually going on. For I was alive without the law once. Now, this law, he's, again, this law, this commandment, these things, this teaching of God, he's, I was alive without that. I was doing fine. <laughs> there, was, there was nothing in me that was bothering me. I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, now here's another commandment. <laughs> but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Paul had a commandment in him at one time for sin, but now he's got a commandment in him for life. And he says, when that commandment came, he says, sin revived. I realized sin was sin, and I died just a little bit in all of that. He says, the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be death. So the commandment that came into him made him feel so bad. He realized, look at what all I've been doing. Look at how sinful I've been. It became a death or a cloud over him, and it was killing him, if you will, in a sense. He was dying because of how he felt inside of what God had <coughs> revealed to him through this commandment. And he says, for sin taking occasion by the commandment, now we're back to that other commandment, deceive me, and by it slew me. It was, it was killing him daily and so forth. For wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. Was, was, was the commandment, was the law, was it, was it bad? God forbid. But sin that it might appear sin. Working death in me by that which is good that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly uh, exceeding sinful. So he's trying to go through and say, I, was, I had a commandment living in me that was a commandment of sin because I'm in Adam. He says, but then there came a commandment to me in life, and now suddenly sin became more exceedingly sinful in my life. And he says, that's the reason the commandment came in, was so that I might recognize how sinful of a person I was. And he says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, 
sold under sin. Do you see the wrestling match going on? Paul, Paul is starting to identify the struggle that he was having. I, I read some things in, in, in the writers that write about stuff like this, you know, and, and uh, he was saying, Paul was talking about somebody else. I'm like, no. <laughs> Paul was not writing, describing some other person. Paul, was, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, was identifying to you the struggle that lived within the apostle Paul. And, and I think that's important for us to know because as we live here today and sometimes maybe you're struggling with things and, and I'm not saying that you should give in to the struggle of sin, uh, of, of going to sin. Uh, Paul has already said, don't let it rain in your mortal bodies. Let righteousness reign. Become the servants of righteousness not the servants of sin. That's what he's talked about. But he also recon recognizes what some people don't recognize I've actually heard, you know, there are churches, I, I, without calling names, I don't even know if I know the names, uh, but there are certain types that teach that once you're born of the Spirit of God, you don't sin any longer. Well, that's contradictory to the Scripture, for one thing. The, the man that says he hath no sin is a liar. That's what John says in 1 John. Uh, but, you know, but people get that in their, their mind that, hey, you know, I, I'm good. Hey, look at me. I, I'm a child of God. I confess. To, I go to church on Sunday. I, I'm, I, I'm tithing. I'm doing, I'm a good person, and, I, and I'm not doing anything wrong. Whoa, wait a minute. Maybe you're, maybe you're also a little bit arrogant and proud. That's a sin, too. <laughs> and so uh, he tells us here, Paul says, we know the law is spiritual, but he says, but I'm carnal. The law is good. There's a spiritual principle behind the law, but he's positive. But I'm still a carnal guy. I'm still struggling with my flesh and who I am. And he says, for that which I do, I allow not. And for what I and for what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. And you say, all right, Brother Charles, wait a minute. This guy's confused beyond all beyond all measure. No, what he's saying is. I do things that I, I really shouldn't be doing. And the things that I should be doing, I don't do. And what I hate, he says, that I do. And he says, so, uh, you know, today people will talk about sins of commission and sins of omission. So Paul had both sins of not doing things that he should be doing, and he had sins of doing things that he shouldn't be doing. And he says, all of this works within me. And he says, if then I do that which I would not, verse 16, if you're keeping up with me, he says, but if then I do that which I would not, I consent to the law that it's good. What, and what he's saying is, when I do those things I shouldn't do, and the law is how I know I shouldn't do them, he said, I'm actually consenting that the law is good. So Paul here in condemning that they're dead to the law is not saying the law is bad, Okay. But he said, you've been made dead to the law by the body of Jesus Christ. You're not married to that anymore. You're now married to the newness of spirit and walking after him. And so as he gets into this, he says, now then, uh, if then I do that, verse 16, if then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it's good. Now then, when it, now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I don't think, by the way, that Paul is saying, I can't help it because there's sin dwelling in me. No, that's not what he's saying. He's, he's just laying 
to the root cause of what the problem is. The reason he says I do this, I'm still a sinner. And you and I are still sinners. We, we, might, we, uh, we I trust, are saved by the grace of God. But you know what? We're still sinners saved by the grace of God, living here. You know, that's what, uh, I, I've said this over the years, talking to young married couples, you know, or people about to get married. Man, I said it to some of y'all uh, sitting here. And I said, you know, I said, young couples getting married, I said, you know, they're all in love and they can't wait to be married and it's all happy. And it is, uh, by the way. Uh, it's all good. But I said, be prepared for the fact that you're now about to take two sinners and put them under the roof together trying to live with each other. And I said, so there's going to be some conflict. There's going to be some struggle. There's going to be some disagreement. Uh, uh, and you need to be prepared for all of that. To, because now you had just one sinner living by himself. He could do whatever he wanted to in his house because, hey, it's my house. Uh, now we got two sinners trying to struggle for who's going to do what inside the same, same building. So he says, uh, sin is the root problem. And he says, now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh. He's not saying that, you know, we've already talked about that. We have a new life within us. We have Christ living within us. But he says, in my flesh. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For, the, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. Paul said, I've got the desire. Sometimes I just don't know how. You ever get like that? You've got the desire to do the right thing, but you just don't know how to do it. Paul says, I, Paul had that problem. So, hey, boy, I feel better already knowing that uh, Paul had some of the same struggles that I have. He says, uh, for, the, for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. And he's not, again, I'm not, he's not saying, I don't think, that I can't help it because I'm sinful. You know, he's saying the root cause is I have a sin nature. That's the reason I, I, I fail at times to do what I should do. And he says, I find then, for if I, for if I do that that I would not, it is no more I, verse 20, that, that do it. But sin that dwelleth in me, I find a law. That when I would do good, evil is present with me. I said this, I think, a few weeks ago when we were talking about it. I skipped ahead and kind of brought this up. But I think this is what it's under concern. Paul did not, Paul did not flip through the, uh, the ancient scriptures and say, Oh, here it is, a law that's uh, given by God that says when you do good, evil's always there. No, that wasn't what Paul did. Different law. Paul, like, like uh, Sir Isaac Newton, I think this was the example I used a few weeks ago, uh, but like Sir Isaac Newton, who was sitting outside and observed that when the apple falls from the tree, it goes down, uh, said, there, I think there's a law called gravity that says when things fall, they go down. And in fact, I observe that every time I see something fall, it goes down toward the earth. It doesn't fly up. <clears throat> so thus the laws of, laws of gravity were... Uh, uh, were, invent, were, were discovered and written down and labeled and so Paul says I've been observing some things too and he says you know what I found I found the law too I found the law that when I would do good evil's always there 
it's just nipping at my heels all the time, trying to tell me, oh, you don't need to be doing that. You don't need to be uh, trying to be kind. You need to just let them have it, you know. Uh, you don't need to turn the other cheek. You don't need to be nice. Uh, uh, you just need to give them back just what they've given to you and double the measure of it. Paul says, I find a law that when I would do good, Evil is always present with me. He said, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. He says, God has placed his laws within my heart and my mind. He said, I delight in those laws. But I see another law in my members. Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Boy, he says, I'm fighting. I like, I delight in the law of God that's written in my mind. But I see another law. It's warring in my members, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin. Oh, wretched man. Now, here's, once he gets through with this, do you feel that, Do you feel this thing this morning? Oh, oh. You know, it's, it's back and forth. I, 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 I love God. I love the things of his word. I love, I love, oh, but I, but I, I want to go out and do this or do that. Or I, I, I want to say this or do that. Paul was in this, was, was writing out this struggle that all of us live. And when Paul got to the end of that struggle, he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? How am I going to escape this problem? How am I going to get out of this? And he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Paul had, I think as we, as we you know, and I want you to think through this with me this morning again. Think through this letter. Paul, there's a problem there at Rome. You've got people that are struggling with each other, people that are looking down on each other. Uh, people that are still looking to the law to be their deliverance so that their righteousness, people that are still trying to fulfill the law. And Paul is having to come along to them and say, you're sinners because you're in Adam. You're saved because you're in Christ. And, and don't be this, because he's delivered you from this, no longer be the servants of sin, but be the servants of righteousness. And be dead to the law. The law has been put to death by the body of Jesus Christ. Now live and follow after him. He says, but Paul, Paul, I still have this struggle in me. He says, me too. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who's going to deliver me from this warfare? Jesus Christ the Lord is going to deliver me from this warfare. That is, that is the answer. And I think as we think about this, through six and seven chapters of this book, He's been trying to tell them what the problem was. And he's been trying to tell them how that God has helped them to overcome that. And now he's telling, pointing them here in the end of eight, uh, end of seven, he's pointing them, Jesus Christ is the answer. You've been wondering all along, I've told you the law was made dead by the body of Christ. I'm telling you that the wretchedness you feel uh, inside, inside of you uh, and, and the struggle that you're having is conquered through Jesus Christ. Everything points us back to Christ. Isn't that right? And so now, as we, as we launch off into 8 and 9 and 10 and 11 here in the book of Romans, he's going to be teaching you more and more about 
how you're conquerors, more than conquerors, through Jesus Christ our Lord. In fact, that's a, that's a quote from down in Romans 8. <laughs> that we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. And so, uh, how do we conquer all this? It doesn't mean the struggle goes away, but it does mean that we're to look more and more to him every day. I'm going to read just a starting part of this eighth chapter. Then I'm going to ask you to read it this week as, we, as you prepare for next Sunday. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the flesh, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life. Now he's telling us of another law. There's a law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Paul says, there was a law of sin and death given over in the garden, but I've been set free from it by the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now then, there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. And there's no condemnation, now no condemnation, to those that walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So you want to feel not so condemned? Don't walk after the flesh. Walk after the Spirit. You've been set free in Christ Jesus. Now walk in it. Live in it. And that's what he begins to go and talk, talk even more about here in Romans 8. And he goes on and tells us why the, we as totally depraved people have been saved by the electing love and predestination to, uh, of, of our Lord and Savior who predestinated us to be in Christ Jesus before the world ever was. May God bless you. Uh, I hope some of these things, as we explain some of this, it helps give answers to what, what those churches were seeing and feeling and how we need to approach life today and not be so judgmental. Uh, you know, you say, well, I was born and raised, in the, raised up in the church. Good for you. That's great. That's wonderful. There's still more you need to learn. And don't be arrogant about it while you're going around, going around telling somebody be sure to remind them you're a sinner just like they are and you're struggling with it every day and looking under Jesus as the author and finisher of your faith. May God bless you uh, as we go throughout this uh, new week uh, and try to serve him and let yourself be servants of righteousness rather than servants of sin. May God bless you as our friend.